Welcome to Election Eve, our guide to the inner workings of the Roy family. I'm backwash at the bottom of the gene pool, otherwise known as Zakrushevich, and joining me, <laughs> he wants $100 million and to maintain professional reputation counseling, it's Arturo Zurita. Hundreds of mil, and I've got the pictures to prove it otherwise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't want those pictures leaked. Uh, for sure, but a fun, a fun episode of Succession. You know, Only for the uh, I was having a, <laughs> I have a, I had a discussion with Caitlin uh, on Sunday before the episode premiered, where she was speculating whether or not it would be like a big episode with lots of hap- things happening, or maybe one of the more low key ones of the season. And I wondered whether or not we even had room left for something that maybe felt a little more low key than. Logan dying or the trip to Sweden and there were some big things there were certainly some fireworks but this is maybe one of the the smaller episodes this season another one where we're mostly in like one space the uh, election party in Tom and Shiv's apartment and other than that that big moment with Tom and Shiv it was a lot of a lot of moving of the pieces a lot of feeling each other out and and figuring out the next stage of this whole uh, Gojo deal and uh, election interest. I, I wondered what you thought about the episode in general. Well, dude, I'm glad you felt the same way. I wasn't sure if I was going to be the one coming in and going like, hey, you know, we had a quiet one. And then I was yeah. going to hear like, you kidding me? That fight? Calling him Gary? The duke between the two of them? The way they went at Connor? I was like, it is one of those where in succession fashion it's really big. But it did feel like a season two one. I agree with you. Uh, I like how you had a tailgate before the tailgate. <laughs> uh, exactly, uh, Talking right? about the episode. Uh, but I, I feel you, dude. I also thought everything's going to be hitting like this. I also don't know, has have days passed? Because I know we were kind of keeping an eye on every episode is a day. They did kind of do yeah. a little bit of a time jump, right? It does feel like they did a, a little bit of a jump, not like a week or anything. That that episode where they go to Sweden feels like it took a couple days at least. And yeah, I don't know how long it is to ele- go to Sweden on a private. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> and uh, and we were speculating the election would be the finale. Now it looks like the election is going to mm-hmm. be the next episode since this is the eve of the, the election. And even on the next week on, we finally saw Justin Kirk appear. Like we've been hearing about Mencken so much. We might actually mm-hmm. get our Mencken scenes next week. Uh, but yeah, like there, there were certainly interesting things that took place and a lot of very good writing on this week's episode. But the, the only real, you know, uh, thing that changed the course of the series, I feel like is the development of Did Shiv he? and Tom. That, so it here's, feels like this we, we season's talk- fight, right? Right. Because right. just last week I saw people joking, dang, April 30th to May 8th. It's like, <laughs> This happens every week. Like, the way people were venting about this episode, I love hearing them use previous lines. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just way better to be nervous without you than it is with you. Like, it's just who they are. Is it really over? Right. Like, that's the question that seems, like, worthwhile to ask. Because I know earlier this season we talked about, is this the end of the road for Tom and Shiv? Because a lot of ways it felt like it. And then against all odds, they, they were back to start this week, bringing her some, some yeah. cute breakfast on a tray, giving her They're like scorpions and encased in glass. Have you ever given Always Alina a, a scorpion as a present? 
A scorpion, no, but that is or some Durango stuff right there. <laughs> Scorpions are, are that's, that's, that's really big in Mexico, so I have not gotten that. But I have received that present. In Durango, you get those. <laughs> it's just like a dead scorpion in there. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. That's some reality show, just not reading your partner. I, I love how he even brings the tray, right? Alina at least would receive the tray, not ask for the tray to go away from her. Uh, but it was <laughs> it was a sign of trying to be something, especially when you read those text messages. Uh, we, we may try to pause on those. The way they were just going at each other. Um, they were screwing Sorry each other. Sorry if I broke your un- dick earlier. Was they that were screwing each other until they started screwing each other. You know, yeah. that's just who they are. So I, I too thought he was done. I was hearing a lot of people say farewell, Tom. It was nice knowing you, but he did appear on the ad for the next one. So I think he's still there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much of the show we can do without them. I, I also don't know, like, at this point, I would find it hard to imagine them getting back together but if anyone's going to do it it's gonna be this like deeply unhealthy toxic couple where where he is as she says like this unrelenting masochist and I, i you know i thought it was also very telling that towards the end of the episode the roy siblings have one last huddle and then logan and roman walk away sorry uh kendall and roman uh, i don't know if that's a freudian slip kendall and roman rock walk away from her leaving her alone and then we get that one last shot of her in bed by herself tom and her sleeping in separate beds like you know last week we complimented shiv on kind of positioning herself well and handling Matson, but after the highs of episode six, this is kind of a, a huge fall into episode seven. Do, do you think that because Shiv sort of feels so alone without Tom, she almost has like no choice but to go back to him? I think she's a person who keeps Tom around as a duff. It's a reminder for her that she is getting stuff done. That's why I really like that line that he hits her with of you're so like centered on I think she's the one who delivers it to her about always needing uh self-reassurance or something like that he's like and I give it to you all the time but you won't receive it because you're broken uh yeah I, I think the back and forth between them has has it's an unhealthy relationship where they use each other by tearing each other down to make themselves feel better because they're not getting that elsewhere not healthy yeah. but it's like it's like the drug that's kept them going to the next one right and it also yeah. didn't help that my man was tired. I saw this episode really late at, at night, and I felt just like Tom. I just wanted to go to bed. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that was a long fight, too. I think that's like a five-minute fight we got out on the balcony where they really aired out all their shit. Like, they, they it's they're one of those fights where they start bringing up things you didn't even know they were mad about. And, and like, I, I love also <laughs> the way they... Everything is like has to be this huge insult of of, pers- of a person's character. It's not like you messed up. It's like you did this. Does that mean you're a completely selfish person or you're just stupid? Right? Like they they are trying to cut each other's throat with every bit of this yeah. argument. Uh, I kind of wrote down the little like beats of it because it starts with Shiv saying she's worried that she nailed herself to the mats and cross. Tom being like you'll you're you'll be fine. You'll always be fine. You're fucking Shiv Roy uh, Shiv said I'm fucking my family for this Tom said you've been telling everyone at the party I'm getting fired uh, which she says is just a kind of tactical joke 
very funny, you know, uh, the idea of getting fired. I, I think that we all think that's very funny. Um, Tom, Tom calls her a tough fucking bitch. She'll always do what she needs to survive. Shiv uh, says, that's actually you. Tom says, she are a selfish person. You shouldn't have married me. Shiv says, you were only with me for power. Tom says, you could have sent me to prison. Uh, and that then you're was incapable the, that was a lie. of love. The, the prison said- part. Bro, the way it's it's composed, the way they hit it on the beat, that was the climax of the fight. You could yeah. have se- you were ready to send me to prison. And then he hits yeah, her with I mean, a dagger afterwards. Keep going. Yeah, so that uh the prison bit, she says you're servile, you're masochistic, and then he comes in with the you're incapable nah. of love, you're not Wrong. a good person to have children. To his he may not know it, but to his pregnant wife Shiv. He says Come you're incapable on, of you're not a good person to have children. Everybody remembers that line from last season. Are we supposed to believe this man doesn't know his wife is pregnant after they just what we're going uh, what did he call it the sex olympics? Now we're supposed <laughs> to believe that he doesn't know. I mean, I mean I guess who Shiv to vent to him about what happened last season, but yeah, that immediately took me back to the scene that you have here. Yeah, that moment in season 3 when Shiv is talking to her mother and uh and her mother says some people just aren't made to be mothers about her. It's the craziest headbutt. Uh, this is the one line that I remember the mom for. Anytime I picture the mom, I think of this scene. To insult yourself just to insult your daughter mm-hmm. is nasty. That's some mm-hmm. nasty stuff. And uh, him bringing it up here, I thought that's where I really felt like maybe that's it. I don't know how you fix a relationship like that. Yeah, they've hit each other. Yeah, yeah they've hurt each other. If she is pregnant, which is what we're all alluding to, I just don't know how he doesn't know that yet. That is such a low blow. I would never be with that man again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, you or me, I don't think, could go back to a relationship like that. Nah, 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 nah. Shiv Roy? Tom Wamsgams? Maybe. (sighs) Like you were saying, in the last episode, we had her up, right? She had Matheson on, on her corner. She was ready to go. Like is Shiv, she always gets blindsided because she's so direct in one thing and does not look at everything else that's going on. This time she got hit with what uh, Masson's actually hiding. And I think that's why she feels unstable. That's why she always goes back to the most stable thing she has. Because when everything else starts going rock bottom, at least she knows she can make fun of Tom. <laughs> and Tom will come <laughs> exactly, back like a right? I mean, it's interesting, right? Like, everybody kind of feels like they need their their whipping boy, and, like, Shiv ends up using Tom as that, and then Tom then brings it down to Greg, and now Greg is in a position where he can, you know, uh, whip around different Waystar Royco employees. Fire Tom, Greg. Have a conference call where he (laughs) fires dozens of people at once. You know one of the ones that I liked? I don't know if you have the image of when they're firing everybody. There's that bit where, obviously, Tom's getting him to do the firing, and Tom's crying. Boo-hoo, they're oh, that all getting fired. Pull that up, dude. Uh. He's <laughs> at one point, boo-hoo, all the employees are getting fired. And then what is he doing 30 minutes later in the episode? Uh, Shiv? Um, boo-hoo, are you telling everyone I'm going to get fired? It's just so beautifully written. These assholes in this series who uh, are jerks to everybody else. And then when it comes back to them, it's this full circle moment. Uh, there's also the part with Greg where I personally feel that if they continue to have Greg be the person who's belittling everybody else, then at a certain point after teaching, after Tom, I know he went out for a bit, after Tom continues to teach Greg, you know, he, he delegates everything to him. At one point, he has trained this man to be the most 
fireable of, of fires, I guess, and it's going to come back to bite him. If he thinks yeah. he's going to be fired, it's only a, a matter of time before he gets fired by the one and only Greg. And I'm not going to lie, as a Greg hater, that's a pretty raw way for Greg to come out on top. Yo, I actually hadn't thought about the possibility of Greg being the one to fire Tom you know until you like just him. mentioned it. But I that's love a clean way that- to go. I, I would love if Succession ends up doing that. Yeah, it really great point on all, all that because like <laughs> the way that Tom has tried to use Greg as like a human shield, it seems to not really be helping him now that we have this Matson thing coming in where uh, Tom, he, he has that moment where he, tr- he tries to openly to kiss Matson's ass. Like, would you prefer someone who's hands-on or more of an overseer? And, oh. and Greg, despite, you know, getting called a hanger-on and a dingleberry by Oscar, ends up kind of ingratiating himself with yeah. the Swedes. Uh, and, and I like that Greg was able to recognize that. Nah, I am, I'm team the bros because I know I'm not going to have it there. And then, yeah, by accident, he is able to charm. I don't know how he does it, right? But he does it every single time. I think he may have the line of what he says about why he's the perfect person to fire people. I think that's the reason why uh, Nick Braun gets cast in a lot of roles as well. Right. HR says I'm the right guy for the job because it looks like I care, but I don't. Yes, sir. I can guarantee a couple of the other movies I've seen you in, you've been cast for that exact same reason, Nick. Yep. Uh, but he was able to win them over. I was surprised by that. I, I I, still feel like they're running him around. My favorite line just right off the bat was referring to Greg as Gary, knowing good and damn well that his name is Greg. So I think <laughs> the Swedes are still kind of playing him for a loop because um, I, I feel that that whole sequence is to uh, belittle Eva more than it is to hey, Cousin Greg, come join us, right? They, they still see him as a tool. Right. Yeah, in that moment, they're able to kind of put a dagger into Ebba by asking Greg to fire her. Um, and Ebba is kind of one of the other interesting uh, parts of Very this week's Succession episode because after that fight, uh, Kendall and Roman have a moment where maybe they get an interesting piece of information out of Ebba mm-hmm. uh, that Gojo's numbers in India are being inflated, that they uh, are as if there was a second India there. (laughs) (laughs) They did the plus it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I heard an interesting theory, which I don't believe, but I want to run it by you because I feel like you'll like it. True. Because thus far, there are two kind of damning things that we've learned about Matson and his Gojo empire. One is that he's sending bricks of his own blood, which amazing little detail that like one of the most hilarious things Succession has ever come up with, but that he's sending bricks of his blood to uh, Ebba, and then Ebba telling both Kendall and Roman that the Indian numbers are fake. Is there any part of you that thinks Ebba and Matson are just doing this to screw with the Roys even more? Ooh, I like that. That would be funny. I do feel that she was being honest, though, because they toy around with her. I think we've seen enough of Ebba with players who aren't uh, necessary to, like, the deal, or I guess, like, fully necessary to the deal, still acting like she's an employee to someone who's a big jerk. So when she approaches them and they're like, oh, is this because of the, you know, blood thing? The look she gives them is one of, like, Nah, that's not even the worst. Which, again, if bricks of blood from your CEO aren't the worst thing, it makes me think that there's there's even more than the Indian numbers. Yeah, right? The, the like, Indian she numbers would have alone to be, are crazy. 
she would have to be a very convincing actress to be like pulling off that level of open disdain for your yeah. boss. Uh, it, it, but still, I, I, mean, I she's feel there like playing and and considering uh, what's that guy who you just had next to her? Uh, is Oscar. His name Oscar. Okay. Yeah. So like that's a crazy dude, right? So I just don't tw- trust him over there. Moon I just don't. Done edibles. <laughs> so at this point, it's like they could, they could literally be uh, going either way. Yeah, lady. Hey, she, she, yeah. she thinks it's all in. She thinks it's all fake. Um, all right. So Kendall and Roman do their best to uh, navigate that information, more specifically Kendall. Uh, it was interesting episode for Kendall in particular, given that he's, you know, as we talked about last week, trying to step into the shoes of his father. Here he gets a chance to deliver the speech at his father's election eve party. Uh, held, held like a moment of science. Silence did a pretty decent job of not embarrassing himself, which mm-hmm. you know is something that Kendall, Kendall frequently does in public speaking yep. moments. But here, did okay until Matson comes in and ruins his moment of silence. Uh, but Kendall spends most of this episode trying to find a way around the Gojo deal, whether that's trying to get this information out of Ebba so that he has ammunition against Matson, or all of the dealings with Nate, another character from the past of Succession who returned on this week's episode. What did you make of the return of Nate Safrelli to Succession, who I don't think we've seen since Tom and Shiv's wedding? Yeah, uh, I want to go back really quick to uh, his speech. We disagreed yeah. on his uh, Living Plus speech. Yes. We agree on this one. I'm, he needs more speeches like this, especially because he like fu- he got real fumbled when, uh, what's his name, made the entrance, and I thought he was able to come back. Uh, he was able to do it very well. A little worried about Nate. I thought it was going to be a contrived way to get Shiv and uh, Tom to go against each other because they were starting off <laughs> rock solid. And I actually liked the way they played it off. They did a little, uh, you know, callback to that really good own that he gave him. What was it like season two where he said, put back the, the I'll wine. I'll try not to drink like, too much of your wine. Yeah. Yeah. They had a clean little exchange. Um, and at the end of it, I really saw what he served here. There's this whole idea of old money and new money when they're mm-hmm. all really new money. I guess you got some trickle down mm-hmm. happening from people who, you know, uh, are heirs. But for the most part, the fact that he represents you know, their, their rival, right? Because technically, is Gil still running? It's Gil and Jimenez? So, I, I think Jimenez is, is like... I think Jimenez is the one running, and maybe running. he was like... Uh, they haven't said any of this. I'm assuming he was maybe like Gil's vice president or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Gil is in the past at this point. The the presidential okay. candidate from earlier in succession. Mm-hmm. So, the, the he's clearly on the other... One. Yeah, so he would be yeah, he, on that side, right? That's why Shiv was working over there with them. Exactly. He's the more liberal uh, side of the political spectrum, and ATN and the Roy family come from the more conservative side of the political spectrum. So then if Logan and Gil were their counterparts, are we then fully led to believe that it's Ken and this man? And that's why this man has well, so much that's the, the interesting thing to, not to ask, because I thought what was very fascinating about their final exchange is when Nate tells Kendall... 
you're not your dad and I'm not Gil and that's a good thing cuz yeah. so many people so many people have weaponized the you're not your dad either for good or evil there are the suits who keep telling their kids that they're not your dad and like you're, you don't know how Love to do these things there's also the moment when like Matson says you're like your dad to Shiv and she takes that as a big compliment right like they they <laughs> do want to be like their father so badly and here, Nate is trying to tell Kendall that, like, it, it's a compliment that you are not like your father, and Kendall refuses to take it that way. Yeah, and it was weird because at first, he's speaking to him like this higher power, telling him what needs to be done, and then at the end, he's so crushed. Uh, What's-his-name plays it so well. He's so crushed because he's like, nah, I could not get something done, and again, like my father. I should have had this guy doing my bidding, and it did not work out that way. The same way that they can't do it with Connor and a bunch of other people, but... Uh, no, I thought that was a really strong line from him at the end, and I'm curious to see how that plays off. If he's willing to be Ken, or if he's still going to live in the shadow of his father, because all of them live in the shadow of their father. Ken don't take mm-hmm. care of his kids. That's the only thing that they got of their father. <laughs> they disregard their kids. What's-her-name has completely disregarded her own pregnant child. And I heard that what's-his-name uh, Roman began the season with kids, and he might have even been married. So well, he yeah, disregarded so- them the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the very first episode of Succession, uh, Ken, if you go back to it, Roman had a full wife and children, and then, and then they, they think like, they, after the pilot, they decided, eh, it's more fun if he's not that way. Yeah, um, Loganized him. So yeah, we haven't, but that's, I don't know if we're, we're supposed to assume they're back, out there yeah. somewhere. Nah, he's got bigger problems. We'll get to him, but I like that you brought this one up. First off, I don't yeah. know if you have it from a different angle. Hey, I Birch do. coffee is the best coffee that y'all have in New York from the last time I visited. When Matt appeared, I smelled the beans. So I love the location already. Um, But dang, we were worried that she was not going to make a comeback, that, you know, they were probably done with that, that they were going, uh, again, just focusing on him and CEO, and they weren't really going to deal with the kids. And for the most part, they still have not showcased the kids again. But, I mean, full Logan here. Not listening to anything that's happened. Not taking the blame for not being there but trying to figure out who he can't. Ooh, there it is. Have you tried Birch, bro? You gotta try Birch. <laughs> no, good. I mean, you know I'm not it's a huge so coffee good. drinker, but I'll, I'll taste it if you tell me it's really good. It's delicious. Get their autumn latte when it's it's around. I guarantee you'll love that one. Fantastic. Big shout out to Birch. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Birch. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, this is a really interesting moment that I feel like maybe is going to be overlooked considering that it came in the beginning of the episode, like even before... Yeah the succession intro, but we've been talking about like, where is Rava? Where are Kendall's kids? What's going on with all that? And there was a very telling scene in a lot of ways. Uh, She mentions that their daughter, Sophie is scared. She doesn't want to go to school anymore because of things that are happening around the election. And then she says a couple things that I was a little bit confused by, because she says that some people are wearing Ravenhead shirts with slogans. So Ravenhead, if you remember, that was Harry the ATN news anchor, I think on season two, who was collecting Nazi paraphernalia, uh, who they they had to tell to stop uh, doing that okay. earlier on the show. I'm recalling it. Okay. So, so he's an ATN news anchor. Rava also mentions something about there being like racially charged comments, maybe somebody following Sophie and an anti-ATN rhetoric. So what I'm confused part, over yeah. whether or not Sophie feels unsafe going to school because of all the racist stuff that ATN is putting out there. Because if you uh, didn't 
notice Sophie's actually uh, a, a South Asian child. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know if she's meant to be adopted or something like that, but so there, there could be some racist aspects there, or if she's afraid to go to school because people are associating her with ATN the way that sometimes the uh, family members of famous uh, politicians also get, you know, uh, targeted for their like close uh, relationship to people who are doing bad things. Yeah, she'll be. But either way, a Kendall's FX uh, Prime Kendall's show yeah, Kendall running a racist news organization is threatening his family, even though he says he breaks his back and it's all for them. Uh, which again, I thought was interesting because it reminded me a lot of the Argestes episode when Logan says, "Everything I've done in my life, I've done for my children." To me, I thought it really built out the world because for the most part, we are in here with these wackos who it's their job. You're rooting for this ATN news to survive. Are they going to keep it? It's like a cute thing for our main characters. We haven't really seen the world. We've we've heard, you know, like you had mentioned with the reporter or, or the journalist that they had, the, the anchor, people obviously not liking that. But I think this is the first time while we still don't see it, it's at least described these are the effects that this news agency that they run has on the real world, especially with his daughter. Because, yeah, like you were saying, if you were the kid, the grandchild of a Fox News anchor or the person who's running it all, uh, especially in today's age, if there was people who are completely against that, you would be target number one. Yeah. Um, So the the impact of what they're... Like, we talk about ATN in a very kind of antiseptic way where it's just like, oh, it's this racist news organization. But we talk less about the impact they have in the world. And like, obviously that's sort of the, the thing, the undercurrent that we're supposed to know about succession is like, yes, we are watching the Roy family, but this is a family that is responsible for all these awful things happening. And yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's maybe trying to set the stage for something bad actually happening a little closer to home, or if it's just meant to to show the depths of how unfeeling Kendall is in a way that is similar to his father. Uh, but yeah, I, what do you say, what do you take it? Is Kendall is this Kendall becoming more like his father or less this episode? Because there's a little evidence on oh, both no, sides. More. I'd say it's more in every way. Just the kids went alone. The fact that he does not care, he could do something about it, and he doesn't take her out of the school. You are, you are so right. filthy rich. You have a, a, a gazillion options. You don't care. <laughs> Hire a at-home tutor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like you're so focused on other things that the call should be going to you as well, not just to your wife to then have to meet you up at Birch Coffee to tell you. So no, he doesn't care. I think he's fully <laughs> like his father in there. He's still trying to relish, not even in the way that he works, but in the way that he's praised. He wants to be praised like his father. I don't think he even wants yeah. to work like his father. He just wants the same reception and fear that people gave him. Uh, do you think, considering how... The writers in particular, I mean, you know how the showrunners are very much attached to making a lot of real life points kind of be adapted into the show or morphed into the show. Yeah. (laughs) You're talking about bad things happening or repercussions from a news agency that likes to stoke fear. I don't want no insurrection episode, bro. (laughs) I'm not looking forward (laughs) to some sort of insurrection episode. That's the only thing they have not covered here. 
We, you know, I don't want to jump necessarily too far ahead, but I don't know if you caught the next week on Succession uh, teaser okay. that plays at the end of the episodes. They did yeah. talk a little bit in the teaser about like waiting for all the votes to come in and false flags. So there certainly are going to be some parallels to the to the real world election uh, that play out in Succession. I agree with you. I really hope it's not going to be that literal. Like the best thing about Succession is that it's the the things that they are alluding to are there there are parallels that you can be you can draw but this is not the Rupert Murdoch story i think that would be make the show a lot uh-huh. more a lot less interesting they're able to make these characters so much richer and so much more full of depth because they kind of have their own thing they're not just a, a shoddy version of a real life person so yeah i agree with you like I wouldn't be surprised if there is something that happens after the election that we all think, oh, they're referencing the insurrection. If it's a literal mm-hmm. insurrection, I think that would be too much. Right? <laughs> I don't want them storming the ATN headquarters. Yeah. Uh, Ashnik in the uh, live stream saying this might be a 2016 scenario with Mencken winning. Yeah, I wonder if if maybe they're right going now, more to the... Sorry? Who's president right now? <sighs> I don't know if they've firmly established who's president. Like, I, I'm assuming it's Gil, but I'm not Gil? sure. There's no way Gil's president. I don't think Gil don't could think? be president because, uh, was it season two? He was still like a senator or something when they were doing yeah. the whole whatever. He, he would have already kind of been in office. I always assumed that they had somebody who was helping them, right? Because that's their whole point. Yeah. They even mentioned in this episode, well, so, hey, we can cut Mencken, but if he does win, it would be really good to have someone yeah. in power. What do they call uh, in season two when Logan calls the president? They call him the Raisin. I don't know if the Raisin is necessarily supposed to still be in office, but we haven't heard much from the Raisin since uh, since then. Although I think after Logan dies, they talk about consulting the president or at least informing Mm -hmm. the president as well. So maybe it is still the the Raisin. The yeah, I think it's someone on their side. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, should we talk a little about Roman this episode? Uh, he maybe was a little bit more in the background, but had some interesting things going on. Uh, took, takes a call from the Mencken campaign and spends most of this episode trying to negotiate different ambassadorships with Connor, uh, who was not a fan of the slows. He's not going to go to the slows, <laughs> but maybe, maybe North Korea, <laughs> I don't know, Art, is there a particular country or, or maybe region of the world that you'd like to be an ambassador for? Uh, for me, absolutely nowhere. For Connor, absolutely less. Uh, definitely don't put him anywhere where they got nukes. Yeah, definitely don't put him anywhere where they have nukes. Uh, which he took as an insult, frankly. Um, but yeah, Roman... like So dumb. Roman, one of the things that has... he One of the closest things he has to power is his relationship with Mencken. He's got that inside line to the Mencken campaign. Obviously there was like that weird little, almost like bromance thing they had last season. So I wonder if we're going to see more of that uh, in the next episode. Uh, But you know, he, he's kind of scrambling here. He's unable to convince his own brother to, to help him out. We said that Um, it was last week and two weeks ago. We said he is not uh, even-minded. He has a hot head. And he yeah. failed multiple times. I think uh, all the scenes that he is in, 
our failures in this episode. I think he dropped the ball with Jerry. I think he blew up in other people's faces. And that last scene with Connor, what a mess. That That's a mess. Yeah. Uh, what is it that he, he tells Connor? Uh <laughs> Uh, to take take his wife, tell her to put something on her shoulders and go to Oman. Nah, bro. Yeah, he, he crossed the line. We'll, we'll we'll get to that one. That like, yeah. I, he's messing up completely. That last one was was well beyond being over the line for him. We said he wasn't stable. Some people really thought, oh, he's the most even handed. He's gonna be good. Yeah, this proved it. I thought we already proved it a couple episodes ago. Beginning with Jerry. <sighs> I heard people say this was a loss for Jerry. I didn't see it. I rewatched the scene. Seems clear to me. The biggest loser here is the person who needed a shoulder to cry on. This man has nobody. Exactly, right? Like, Jerry Jerry was his most competent ally and probably the mm-hmm. person who would be able to steer him best in this moment. Like, imagine if he was able, actually able to consult Jerry. He might be yes. able to navigate his way to CEO, but instead he's, he's decided that, to burn that bridge. Yeah, and, and like and Shiv, he's kind of alone at the end of this episode. Yes, that's not good. You're right, because Shiv just needs a punching bag, but she's never taken orders from Tom. This right. woman had him in every capacity, from business to personal life. He felt comfortable with her. I I do disagree with Jerry in the sense of, like, I could have I could have guided you. Do it then, ma'am, because he's already in <laughs> office. Like, I don't, I don't understand You want her to that. stay in. Uh, yeah, of course I wanted to say it, and I feel like she still is. I mean, she made a really big demand. She says, you know, the narrative will be the narrative that I want. I will get hundreds of millions of dollars. She's looking for that island. Uh, yeah. And I feel like she could still guide him, but he crossed the line, and she feels so disrespected, she's done with him. She could yeah. still guide him if she wanted to, because there is no work to get him elected. He is the co-CEO, and even she said no. So to then pull the stuff that he ends up doing later on, with Connor and just blowing a fuse showcases an inability to be a leader. Definitely should not be CEO completely ruins the relationship from brother to brother. And mm-hmm. then to bring up, look, I, people can say whatever they want about Willa. You do not cross that line. Bad, bad look, all around and, for him. And also at this point in the show, Connor and Willa are the closest thing that we have to a healthy relationship. So I don't think anybody should be trying to get in between the two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, man, pretty woman over here. Yeah, somehow, I don't know, he is the most stable. He is the most happy. He is the one who smiles. You see him the less stressed out of all the siblings. Um, It's still a mess, though. Who would have thought that this man's campaign would have been the deciding factor? Hey, man, he's exploding in Alaska, four, five, maybe even six (laughs) percent. The conheads are showing out. Oh, man. I did think it was also interesting that there is that moment when he decides to consult Willa on the ambassadorship. And her first reaction is that she doesn't want his points to go to Mencken, somebody that she doesn't like. She says uh, her Mm. friends and family really don't like Mencken's position. So despite like Connor being interested in politics from a very young age, it's it's Willa's political leanings that kind of end up um, setting the tone for what they decide to do. Not only that, Mm. but I'm sure Willa (laughs) has better, has more interesting plans than driving around Oman or North Korea with the mm. diplomat plates. <laughs> you think she has anything more there? Like a specific reason why she doesn't like Mencken? Or her family members don't like Mencken? I mean, I'm, I would assume, like, 
from what she said, I'd assume it's just because of like him being on the uh, potentially like conservative side of the aisle. Like Willa being she married a guy who, who's running that way. He's yeah, but he's also he's a libertarian, so maybe it's a different kind of edge to it. Also, his campaign's a joke, so maybe that's part of it too. Um, whereas Mencken is somebody who actually seems like he could get power and use it in ways that are evil or wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So part of me wants to say that this is Willa, the uh, <laughs> New York theater circle member trying to take a principled stand, a but I can see that she might also, she might also just be thinking of her own interest and not want to be a diplomat's <laughs> wife in a, in a country that doesn't have, you know, five-star theater. That is pretty funny though. The idea of like her just not caring marries into ATN, right? She, she's cool with them completely backing him, spends a little season in theater and comes out completely opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, did you have any more thoughts on on Connor and Roman? Uh, it's, it's just bad. To, I feel this puts it to rest that he should not be co-CEO. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I had that the moment he blew up on Matt's in the way that he did. That's not a way to showcase that. And then to do it again yeah. with your brother in a public party at your sister's home. Yeah. So then when is he going to be stable? He's not. They are all unserious yeah. people. We know this. Mm-hmm. And it's a reoccurring thing for him. Logan had a had a pr- uh, predilection for blowing up at people for reasons that could be very personal, but he never did it in a way where it felt like he was like hurting his own opportunities or, or being even like a child about it. He was he yeah. was being stern exactly. and stubborn, and but he was being principled. L- like you're saying with Roman, he's just kind of going in every direction based on his feelings right now. And he needs to mm-hmm. work through those feelings because it's making him look really bad. I mean, there was a second he there where weak. it kind of felt like he was the only one with any kind of like emotional intelligence in the room, but maybe he's like too empathetic in in this moment. He's feeling too hard to, to navigate unstable. it. Yeah, because yeah. you, you had mentioned Logan yelling at people. He yells at people to get stuff done. This mm-hmm. man yells at people because he's not getting his way. So that doesn't make him look powerful. It makes him look like he's coming from behind. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the only other character that I, I showed up at the party that I felt was worth mentioning is Frank. Frank got a little moment where he uh, insulted mm-hmm. the wine and Kendall brings him in on his potential plans. I thought it was very telling that uh, when Kendall's talking to Frank about his siblings. He says, I love them, but I'm not in love with them as far as their future in the company. <laughs> no, it's his uh, godfather, right? And yeah. uh, we've looked back at the fact that he's taken a fall uh, in previous seasons. I, I still think that their uh, conversation, just a couple of lines that they have in the episode where Logan passes, some of the most powerful ones. Um, I, I think that that's a person that he should have by his right-hand side. Frank is his Jerry. Whereas the other one doesn't have it. And that's another one, too. When this dude was firing everybody in the previous episode and mm-hmm. Roman went up to his brother, Kendall egged him on. This time, he's, yo, you need to chill. You need that's to chill. Yeah, you he tells really him to stop with Connor. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Good episode for Ken. Yeah. Good episode for Ken. Uh, probably the person whose stock, at least out of the Roy's, is most worth buying right now. 
Yep. Let's talk about that tennis match that he had with him at the end. That was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, a, a nice little back and forth between him and uh, Matson. Uh, so also, uh, 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 also, I thought, had a pretty uh, good episode. Maybe not in terms of, like, his competency, but just in terms of giving Alexander Skarsgård moments to be amazing as an actor. It was a lot of fun to watch him this week. Uh, mm-hmm. What did you make of that little back and forth that they have, that little public spat? Uh, I, I thought it was interesting uh, when Kendall's like, your numbers are exploding, they're literally unbelievable, and Matson responds, your numbers are gay. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid. But it's so appropriate, it's too. It's so like, dumb. I think the thing that the show is kind of putting its finger on, which is smart, is that, like, Matson ultimately is a big troll, and you kind of can't beat a troll in that game, right? Like, he's just going to say something that's, a, a, like, nonsensical. And, mm-hmm. you know, Kendall's attempt to, like, oh, that's that's homophobic, man. Like, Matson doesn't care at all. He, he yeah. doesn't have, like, you can't, like, hurt his feelings or make him feel like he lost because he kind of has none. And I think that's what makes his character and his whole group interesting is that they're not coming here to play left against right or right against left. It is literally just an alternate version who's kind of overseeing and that idea of like him using it as as a comeback. They're all dealing with old media. Again, that old new media. These are old ways of uh, like they're all stuck in the past. His lingo is still stuck in the past for his insults. Kendall's still stuck in the 90s. And they're trying to deal with streaming and everything that deals with the future. It's just this funny, like, blend of people who don't really know what they're working on. Uh, Yeah. And I think that commentates on a lot of different things. That the people who are steering the ship aren't even as ahead of what the technology is about to become. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of these people claim to have this kind of vision and this knowledge or or the ability to, to change things and... If you just, like, press on them a little bit, there, there's maybe a little bit uh, – some things they're trying to hide below the surface. Like, even Matson, yeah. a guy who feels, like, un, un, uh, unfazable, has his mm-hmm. numbers in India that are being uh, faked. How do you not know that? Does nobody just check the numbers when they were reported that, hey, there's not even this many people in India? <laughs> I might have to check uh, yeah, the star. I don't know. The star yeah, go. Ma- I don't know who their CFO is, but I'd put that on him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, probably Oscar. That's probably what Damn it is. Um, all right, any any quotes that we should highlight from this episode? There are a lot of really good ones. Uh, I, I tried right. to write down a few, but it felt kind of one of those episodes where it feels like every other line is quotable. It is. And then that's why I say that as much as I want to call it a quiet episode, it is HBO season two style, right? Like the same way that Thrones, the same way that this series in season two took a lot of episodes to just have people going back and forth. um, That it is uh, heightened up in a a different way. Uh, Going back to one of the ones that you had with Shiv versus um, Shiv versus Shiv versus Tom round nine. It's when they're yelling at each other and... uh, she says, you took me away from my dad for the last six months. She's wrong, but, like, the way she delivered deliver that line mm-hmm. was so raw. Uh, and then I just that, love his, his smack. Go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, that it, we have had a lot of great uh, Roman uh, or Kieran Culkin, I should say, acting moments yes. that I've been saying, like, oh, Emmy, for, the, Emmy for you for this. This was... Uh, Matthew McFadyen and Sarah Snook's Emmy moment. They absolutely 
owned that scene. And uh, you're right. That moment, like, because it's just these escalating insults to each other where they're getting more and more angry. And then there's that bit where Tom says, you're uh, you're incapable of love and you're not a good person to have children, which, as we were talking about earlier, like, that cuts deeper. There's that's, some that's something bag, personal yeah. there with Shiv. So you yeah. see, like, yes, she's still trying to hurt him and win this argument, but she has that little bit of, like, that thing caught in her throat because she actually did get uh, stabbed by that last knife. And even the response that he has after that one is the, it's not my fault that you didn't get his approval. Just terrible. But yeah. on the flip side, calling Greg Gary, right? Gary? Yeah, calling Greg Gary, <laughs> knockout. The moment I heard it, I was like, that's one. So that's my line of the, line of the week. Uh, do I have that here? Yeah, I still got that there. Boom. Uh, that's a very funny one. <laughs> it's delivered um, perfectly, too. Yeah, 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 you too, Gary. <laughs> Okay, I know we're talking about all the Roys. Yeah. Give it to my man, though. I don't know if he ever won one for his uh, for the blood, the, the, his vampire show. I don't know if he's ever gotten it for other things. I think he's yeah, been a standout in Lies. Atlanta. He was great in right. Big Little Lies. He has appeared in so many things, really just playing a variation of himself. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves it for the season. He's not yeah, even considered I a mean, guest anymore. He shouldn't be. He should be a supporting. I mean, I think he's not on every episode, so he'll probably f- slot into the guest actor category. Really? But, like, if he does, I, I don't know a lot of people who-, who can compete with him. And technically, Brian Cox might be competing with him uh, on this season. But For some reason, he's still... <laughs> but, no, like, I think we talked about this back when they killed off Logan, that there is sort of this void on succession without him. And they've been able to partially fill that void through just how charismatic and and unable to look away from him you are. Like, Skarsgård's performance is just so, like, crazy and and, uh, eccentric. Like, they they really turned up the kind of, like, Elon Musky elements of his character this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went all out on the idea that he just tries to be not even on top, just trying to make everybody else uncomfortable. That's what he thrives on. Yeah. Because he thrives on that, even with his own people. Yeah, absolutely. Like Oscar uh, said, I've been fired so many times, I love it. Like, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. That's also yeah. not a healthy relationship, and that's his boy. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh... Some of my favorite quotes from this week. I liked when Kendall was talking about the party, uh, the guests that are attending. They're not all crypto fascists and right wing nut jobs. We also have some venture capitalist Dems and centrist ghouls. Dad's ideolo- Dad's ideological range was wi- wide. Um, just a way of describing the elites that show up at parties like this, and also pinpointing the way that like for the for the upper upper class like even political divides aren't that big they'll still show up at each other's parties and place bets over kettle, kettle corn uh who's gonna win the yeah. election uh-huh i think you and i have noticed a bunch of these festivals that we've gone through we've been very surprised by some logos on these people's jackets we'll leave it there <laughs> yeah uh, you mentioned the con they're not gonna put you anywhere that has nukes line that roman uh gives That's great uh or also, the Greg HR says I'm the right guy for the job because it looks like I care, but I don't. Um, Shiv, hey, you know what about uh, his bar? Who? Nick. Wait, what about him? Nick owns a bar in New York. I had no idea about that. He owns a bar in New York with uh, Thoreau. 
Oh, Justin Thoreau. Yeah, they're yeah. in a bar together. Hey, Google that when when, when you have the chance, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Willa yeah. had a good one. <laughs> Running over people isn't a selling point when she's talked of getting offered the dip, uh, diplomat plates. Uh, that was really good. There was a lot of great ones in the Shiv Tom argument, but I, I all of them identify right. every, every other line. Yeah, but the Shiv one, you were fucking me for my uh, DNA. You were fucking me for a ladder is particularly cutting. That's crazy. That's a good one. Um, I liked Frank's that r- the red wine smells like wet dog. It's sort of like a payoff to Tom earlier in the episode talking about how bad the the German wine that you shouldn't tell people is German. That is German. Actually yeah. is. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then Kendall, we go reverse piking. We pillage their village. I'm always down for a good rhyme. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it's that's, just that's, a pleasure as always. That's Kendall at his best. Yeah. We pillage their village. He, he has that's these, Kendall at his prime. He has these like little sayings or little phrases he'll throw out there that are always yeah. very hysterical. Like, what are you, why, what are you pulling a reference from? And why are we talking about space cowboys now? But yeah, uh, that that's like that's Kendall at his like CEO talk best. Like you're right. Yeah, and again, like we were saying with uh, between Logan and then um, what's his name, uh, Roman's character. This is actually Ken having the upper hand. He says this mm-hmm. once he realizes, oh, that's why they're such in such a hurry to sell. So he actually feels the power with them. It is very rare where Kendall will say something. And I feel really bad going, you might actually have a point. <laughs> if he's yeah. starting to get me uh, to be a little bit convinced, then he may stand a chance. But that's all because of the new right. stuff that we learned. So I uh, <laughs> didn't realize that they had that much of an upper hand. So now I'm really excited because I-, I kept seeing them as the underdogs. And now it turns out right. they may have a lot more in store. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about the future of Succession because as we learned this week, there might be some... Uh, things that are are complicating Gojo's potential acquisition of Waystar. Uh, there, we didn't talk about the discussion that Matson has with Shiv, where uh, he tells he tells her to try and create a second India, uh, but also he he you know asks dumb. her for her help in making the problem go away. Um, so yeah. Shiv is now, as she mentioned. She's nailed herself to the cross of Matson and realized that that's not necessarily going to save her, particularly considering she's trying to screw over her family in the process. Uh, do you think this goes bad for for Matson or the Roy's first? They're all undercutting each other, so it's fair game. That's that's yeah. the sad part, right? And I, don't, I can't tell if it's from this show or from something else. Uh, uh, honestly, you know what it was? Is the coronation that they had for the king this past week that everyone was talking about royalty and loyalty, royalty and loyalty. There is no loyalty from any single person in the show. Mm-hmm. From within their own camps to one another. Shiv was 100% on Matson's side, and now he realizes probably not. Greg began this episode going, I'm going with the Ken bros. Then he made Oscar laugh, and now he thinks he has a chance over there. It, it switches on a dime. That's what makes the show great. That's what keeps us so intrigued, but it's also the reason why I think anything can flip on uh, at any moment. So I'm I'm up in the air with it. Interaction yeah, I mean, inside the ATN headquarters, <laughs> all of it goes away. The building gets burned down. That's how it ends. Bef- the throne. Before the season before the season started, Jesse Armstrong apparently said that episode eight is shocking. So we okay. might be in tune for some some big moments next week. I don't know uh, <laughs> what those will. 
He right? Did we actually <laughs> sneak, sneak finale? I've always thought that there That's should wrong. be a show that does that, right? Like That's just actually no, actually, decent. yeah. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> they they make Kendall or they make Connor ambassador ambassador to North Korea and they launch the nukes. Do it. Do yeah. It. That'd be cool. Uh, yeah, it'd be really hey, interesting. HBO I, has had crazier ones, right? Sopranos. Mm-hmm. After Game of Thrones, you're you, you're free to do whatever you want too. Yeah. That'd be that'd be cool. Hey, let me ask you one last thing before we uh, wrap this one up, because HBO did reveal the title of the finale episode of Succession, uh, and it is it is called With Open Eyes. So for people who have been like uh, close monitoring fans of the show, they'll know that that is a phrase from John Berryman's poem, Dream Song 29. That is also the poem that gave the name of the finale of the first season, Nobody Is Ever Missing, the second season, This Is Not For Tears, and the third season, All The Bells Say. So now we are at With Open Eyes. Uh, he's been going from end to beginning, in the poem, which I think is kind of interesting that the, the words are going up rather than going down the poem. Beyond that, I'm not too sure exactly what Jesse Armstrong and crew are trying to imply here. This is a, a pretty short poem by John Berryman about a man whose father has recently died and right. who is imagining that he killed someone, maybe that he killed his father, maybe that he's responsible right. for killing his father. Uh, but the end of the poem says uh, that he went over everyone, nobody's missing. So every he, everybody that he loves is still there. So what, what, is, what are we trying to get from this poem? Um, I don't know if you, you had any thoughts or if you yeah. just think it's interesting that they are pulling from the same thing as they pulled from every previous succession finale title. What's the, what's the name of the finale? With open eyes. So there's the line, ghastly, with open eyes, he attends blind. It's all Greg's dream. He will open his eyes and he will still be working at that arcade at the at the, the fair. That's what it is. Yeah, you he, heard it here first. It's gonna, I think it would be pretty hilarious if, if we do end up with uh, Greg back in the Dodger costume for, for, for the me. finale of the show. I would love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'd I be curious. Uh, maybe it has something to yeah, do with the guy, he, the author himself? John Berryman? Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe there's something back I think there. He's and that Scottish was a, a and little... Logan is Scottish as well, so mm -hmm. th there's some some uh, parallels okay. there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I took it partially. I'm trying to fixate on That's the idea right, bro. of did... the yeah. Scottish part. I'm because, trying to... uh, what's his name is, and then they said that they added it for him later. Yeah, apparently okay. he was supposed to be like Canadian on the first season, and then they changed yeah, talk it. About the, yeah, yeah, because that's important. Yeah, to me, every single time they slip one of those, it's like, but why? Just, just leave it. You right. left it, so why answer it after the fact? And he goes, oh, well, I, you know what I'm talking about. There, there was a, a moment where he realized it seasons into it, where he's like, oh, I am Scottish? He's like, yeah, but it's it's not the important yeah, he part. Like, I think he didn't start using his Scottish accent until the second season, apparently, or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's an interesting part. I don't know. Maybe there's a connection there. Yeah. I've been trying to think about the whole element of he looked around and nobody's missing, like the idea that the people he loves are still alive. And I, I want to like almost interpolate the versions, interpolate what people he loves and still alive means. Like maybe that means that like, because there is that line, right? I love them, but I'm not in love with them. He says about his siblings. Mm -hmm. Maybe he will be CEO, 
but he doesn't consider the people in his life to be people he loves. So they're not missing, right? Like he, he'll get rid of Roman, he'll get rid of Shiv, he'll be as ruthless as his father was, and he'll be surrounded by no one because the only person that Kendall Roy really cares about is himself. So that's that's at least what I'm thinking based off of the poem, but I'm I'm just trying to reach for straws here. I don't really know. Well, that was an interesting thing. Have all four have the same one. Have you noticed that for any other titles? Um, I don't think they've pulled that for other episode titles. I think it's just the finales. Gotcha. I know there was one, I think, either in season one or something where someone had uh, asked, uh, it, it was like based off of an old movie, not super old, but um, what's his name who did uh, Another Round? They named oh, one yeah. of the episodes based off of his movie. So it's like, I, I'd have to deep uh, dig deep into the titles to see if we can come up with something else. A lot to be excited about, a lot to look forward to. I think that's about all for this edition of our Succession Recaps. Catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, Z-S-H-E-V-I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Arturo, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Movies on all the social media platforms, talking about movies, talking about the festivals that we're covering at the moment. You can catch me every week here on the Intercut Podcast. Yeah, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you subscribe not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment, find new episodes of our weekend must-watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. And please leave a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review. Shout out to those of you who do. Like our Facebook, follow our Instagram, follow our Twitter. Hey, support us over at patreon.com and you can find all of those uh, profiles at Intercut Pod. Those are the best ways to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. You can also find a link to our Discord in the description down below to continue talking with us throughout the week. But that's all for this week's episode. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, running over people isn't a selling point. <laughs> <laughs>